This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's Valentine's Day, so love is in the air, just like the birds you might have seen or heard this morning. We don't have the true love birds like ones found in Africa or Madagascar, but we do have plenty here in Mississippi to talk about. So we've invited biologist Joe McGee back to the show to talk about these Mississippi birds. We'll talk about what birds you might be seeing or hearing this time of year, and also what might be coming to Mississippi during spring migration. And as always, Dr. Majors here, ready for some pet questions. So join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday mornings, it also repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, Libby, any events that you want to share with us? Let's see. Mississippi Wildlife Federation Awards Banquet is next Thursday, February the 21st at noon. And they wanted me to mention that. And... Fanny Cook book is being recognized. All right, the very Fanny good. Cook biography, so I'm excited about that. And then the Coastal Audubon folks, uh, February the 16th, I believe that's this coming Saturday. Then Robert Smith, who's been on the show a couple times, our friend, he's leading a, uh, a field trip in the Devil Swamp Mitigation Bank. It's a great big beautiful mitigation bank that i haven't seen yet so i'd love to be down there for this in hancock county and then the following saturday mark lasalle is leading a group at uh fountain blue trail they're in jackson county so that would be on the 23rd and if you would like to sign up to go on either one of those field trips go to mscoastaudubon.com mm-hmm. or google Audubon Society on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, any of that kind of stuff will get you there. But good field trips, and I think Joe's got something to tell us about Jackson Audubon. Yeah, Jackson Audubon, uh, in case someone doesn't know them, they meet four times a year at the Clinton Nature Center, and their next meeting is, I believe, February 26th. And I think Sarah Wheelis will be presenting Mm -hmm. the program. And she's going to be on this show on the 28th. I think it's bird behavior. We'll learn more about that. Bird yeah. behavior and communication, I think, yeah. is I used to work with her at the museum. That's, that's how I know her, yeah. Yes. And also, is the backyard bird count coming up? The backyard bird count is definitely coming up. It starts tomorrow. Okay. Uh, it's tonight at midnight, actually. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, and anyone can participate, uh, anybody that wants to. You just have to be able to identify birds. It's... Uh, National, or actually, I should say, international now mm-hmm. uh, endeavor where participants go out and identify birds, count the birds, and then submit their observations online to a, to the Great Backyard Bird Count website, which is a lot of fun to explore. Even if you're not uh, submitting observations, it's it's a very interesting website to go to. It's a, a joint venture of uh, the Cornell Laboratory of Ornithology and. Uh, the National Audubon Society. Real good website. And I think we've mentioned their Audubon chapters pr- across Mississippi, so if someone is interested, maybe 
uh, Google and try to find their local chapter and, and, and see how they can get involved? Yes, they can go uh, Google Jackson Audubon, for instance, and find their calendar and find the, when, you know, when their programs are and their field trips. They have almost weekly, isn't it, field trips, family-guided uh, uh, family bird walks at Lafleur's Buff State Park. Um, the first Saturday of every month. Okay, once a month. Once, okay, I'm sorry, yeah, once, once a month. A month. I yeah. think the first one is March the second. Mm-hmm. All right. And no, we have one. Yeah, we have one last month, February too. Uh, they have a uh, Jackson Audubon has a field trip to the Pearl River Wildlife Management Area, February 23rd, mm-hmm. I believe. I don't know who's leading that, but uh, that's a real good place for waterfowl. This All right. Time of year. Uh, so, Dr. Major, uh, it's Valentine's Day, and I, I think we know that it's probably not a good idea to give your pet, uh, your cat or your dog, chocolate. Um, what do you think might be an appropriate Valentine's Day gift for our pets? Well, I saw something on TV that said that uh, I think more men were giving their pets uh, Valentine's presents than they were their wives. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, probably, probably not true. you get in trouble with that. But, uh, you know, just uh, something that would be appropriate. Uh, there was a, I was watching news this morning. There was this lab that was opening a present uh, that had it. It had a, a nice uh, chew treat uh, that the dog had. Always be careful when you're giving treats. Uh, we, we know that we don't need to give chocolate or anything that's going to upset the GI system. Uh, but uh, if the dog has a favorite uh, bone or chew, this sort of thing, uh, certainly that's good. A lot of people give their pet clothes at different times of the year, uh, different outfits. So, you know, it, it, it depends on the pet and depends on how you feel about it. But, sure, let's include our, our dogs and cats in Valentine. And, you know, now the big trend in gift-giving is experiences. So I think you ought to take them on a very special walk today. <laughs> it would be a good idea, wouldn't it? And you can treat your birds. Or, you know what, if you've got a spouse or any loved one that's into birds, I think they're having a big sale at oh, Wild Birds Unlimited today okay. in Jackson. So it might be a... And uh, easy thing to run behind do. On Money Talks this week, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio, we talked about some Valentine's Day-related things. I want to say that pets was like number three on the list of who gets a Valentine's Day gift. So, uh, and oh, yeah, uh, I heard that. Easy for my cat. I'll just buy something for myself and give the box to my cat, and we'll both be happy. <laughs> They'd much rather have the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they love, <clears throat> cats especially love anything new that's put in their area, whether it's a box or a bag, uh, like a paper bag, they, they'll have fun with that. I like the idea of actually closing the box up and then make uh, a couple of holes in it where the cat can go in and out, and they, they like that. That's what I've done. I have a large box under the kitchen table with little windows and doors cut. <laughs> right. they're, they're in heaven when, they, when they're in that box, playing in that box. All right, and also uh, we talked a little bit about uh, February being National Pet Dental Health Month. Um, what are dentist sticks, and do you think uh, that's a, a good product, uh, I guess probably for dogs for healthy teeth? You know, they, they are uh, an aid in uh, helping to prevent tartar buildup. There are various kinds of those. Uh, there may be a brand-name dentist stick, but they're very uh, things that can be used uh, most of them have some type of enzyme in them, which helps to prevent the bacteria, which can cause the buildup of plaque or tartar. Uh, I would dare say that probably 
of the dogs that we see and cats as well, probably 40-50% have some need for dental care. Very rarely do I look at a dog that doesn't have some tartar buildup. Same thing is true with cats. Uh, there are foods that you can give uh, that uh, help abrade the tartar off, if you will. Uh, one of them is called TD uh, and does a pretty good job, actually, of helping to prevent tartar. However, not every animal is going to like that, not every dog. So I uh, need to be aware of what's going on in your pet's mouth. Uh, if you're smelling uh, a really bad odor, you know that something's wrong. If the dog or cat stops eating uh, and acts like it's having trouble chewing its food, uh, there may be a tooth that's abscessed or loose, just like with us. So be aware of what's going on uh, with your pet. Uh, well, and, you know, if we're going by the eating test, I know my cat's in perfect health because every time I pour food in his bowl, his head is buried in there, uh, and he has no trouble going after it, that's for sure. Right, but if he stopped or if he acted like he was having trouble chewing, uh, certainly you'd know that something was wrong. Yes. All right, uh, let's get a call in before our first break, and we invite Martha from Jackson into the conversation. Good morning, Martha. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thank you. The name is Marsha. I'm sorry. I misread that. Sorry, Marsha. That's okay. As in Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> uh, anyway, my question is for, I'm sorry, I did not catch your name, the, the bird guy. Joe. Birdman. Um, am I seeing robins? I, I, I'm thinking I am seeing robins in my neighborhood. They're, they're little, you know, regular sized birds, and they've got kind of an orangey red breast. And I, it's been a while since I've seen a robin and known for sure that's what it was, and that's what I was wondering. If so, that's, is that a better indicator that spring's coming in the, the thing up in Pup's Tawny, you know, <laughs> the groundhog? Yeah, well, yeah, let's don't think too much yeah. about the groundhog. But yeah, you, no. you can definitely be seeing robins, okay. American robins. They congregate in large flocks this time of year in open areas. They've, they actually winter in large numbers in the mm-hmm. south. So, yeah, the bad news is they're not a, a mark of spring in no, the south. Not yeah. necessarily. They're a winter resident here. They show it's up still in still winter. I see large yeah. flocks. Oh. They usually show up yeah. in mid-November, say, and I'll see oh, okay. dozens of them all vying for a spot at the bird bath. When they go home <laughs> to Chicago, then we know it's spring. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've already stripped my hollies. There's not a berry left on any of the holly trees in my yard. Uh, but okay. yeah, you're definitely seeing robins, uh, and but they will thin out, and a few do remain behind to breed. That we have a few breeding, well, a good many actually robins breeding uh, in mm. Mississippi. Yes, that's interesting. All right, well, uh, I am definitely hearing more birds though. So because you know I go out walking the dog, and they're just singing all over the place. So I was curious. All yeah. right, thank you. You're right. welcome. Thanks for the call, Marcia. Uh, This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion about birds. If you have any questions for our guest, Joe McGee, or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464 or email the show animals at mpbonline.org. During the break, time to name that bird. See if you can identify the bird only by its call. We'll give you the answer when we get back, so listen closely and stay tuned.
Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And today in studio, we have Joe McGee. We're talking about all things about birds in Mississippi today. If you want to join the conversation with a question or a comment, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So for our first uh, bird song there, our producer Java kind of threw us a curveball. Uh, Java, tell us what that uh, bird call was. Well, it's the actual um, love birds, the ones they are not native to Mississippi. You can find them in uh, Africa and uh, Madagascar. And um, Dr. Major actually said it's, a, I guess, a bit of a misnomer that they're called love birds. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Major, tell us about that. Well, I think uh, probably get their name, lovebird, because they love to perch together, very close together. If you had six uh, lovebirds, they would all be on the same perch, probably just bunched up uh, in a row. However, uh, there are some good lovebirds, don't get me wrong, but and in examining this sort of thing, they have a very good uh, bite and they have a very sharp beak, and uh, a lot of lovebirds uh, would not necessarily live up to that name for people anyway i must confess i did not recognize that bird sound <laughs> all right uh, joe we had you on a couple weeks ago and we talked about frogs uh and i was excited because the week afterwards i heard two different frogs but i couldn't remember which was which so i came in last thursday and let me help me remember but i had heard uh, at the park i walk in in pearl i heard the uh the chorus frog uh, and then uh, later that night, I heard them again, but also heard uh, the peepers. The spring peepers, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. You could hardly not hear the uh, spring peepers this time of year. They're, I hear them almost everywhere I go. Every depression that has rainwater in it will have spring peepers. Uh, the course frogs, you kind of have to seek them out. It's, it's interesting you would have them in the park that you walk in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's neat that you've got. Those are probably upland course frogs. Uh, Considering how far north we are in the state, there is one called a southern course frog, but it's, I think, from Hattiesburg south, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking. Their calls are very similar. The whole thing about about course frogs is confusing. Um, There's a species of course frog almost anywhere you go in eastern North America, even way up far north into Canada. And taxonomists have not gotten it all sorted out exactly in some cases. Uh, but I suspect what you heard was the upland chorus frog. Okay. But like I said, yeah, I was, I was real excited because I finally, you know, I'm like, hey, I, I know what that is. It sounded like somebody running their comb, a yep. finger down a comb, yep. thumb down a comb, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Still can't see them, but at least you can hear them. They're hard to say. <laughs> we want you to get a photograph because I want to get a photograph, too. Okay. <laughs> That's what we want is a photograph. All right. Uh, we've got some calls to get to. Let's uh, go back to the phone line, starting again in Greenville. Bill's on the line. Good morning, Bill. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've got a bird that I, I see. Uh, very infrequently, uh, it, it makes a sound like uh, like this, and it's uh, sort of a gray little bird. It looks like a little cardinal. Uh, I was wondering what kind of bird that was. Someone said it was a vero. Uh, do you see this bird hop in trees, and as opposed yeah, he's a, he's a, I've seen him up in trees. Yeah, and he'll make the sound. 
and then he'll fly off. And then I saw him up real close one day, and I thought, well, so that looks like a little cardinal, but it had a, did it, it had a cre- it had a crest. Yeah, it had a little crest. And it was gray. Okay, I yeah. think you're seeing a tufted titmouse. A neat little bird. It's a cavity mm-hmm. nester. If you put up a nest box with the right size entrance mm-hmm. hole, you might get them to nest. It's a yeah. Neat, yeah, real neat little bird. Tufted titmouse. If you've got an extra bluebird box, they like bluebird boxes. Yeah, they'll use a bluebird box. Uh-huh. And they're That's really right. fun to watch. They don't mind people being close by so much, so they're fun to watch. Do you feed the birds, Bill? Oh, oh yes. I feed the birds all the time. And uh, yeah. I buy these little... Uh, Gainsburger like worms at Walmart. Uh huh. The woodpecker, he loves to eat those little things, look like little hamburger. Yeah. He loves to eat them. Uh, so I got several different species of woodpeckers come and get them. Yeah. And, and also, I haven't heard any of those little Canadian sparrows this year. Are, are they not here yet, or what happened to them? Uh, are you. Ref- you think a red? Are you talking about a white-throated sparrow? Yeah, that pretty song. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, they've got a beautiful song. There, I, yeah, I have about oh maybe a dozen at my house. I'm gonna count them this weekend. I'm gonna find, I'm gonna determine how many I do have. It's a great backyard bird count. Uh, they tend to feed on the ground. Now the tufted titmouse will come to suet, and it will come to uh, black oil sunflower seeds. So you might be able to entice the titmice to your feeders. The white-throated sparrows. You're, you're not seeing those. No, I, I haven't really seen them. Uh, I haven't heard that little song either. Yeah. Uh, do you? They like. They're a little bit shy. That do you have some brushy areas, some weedy, or like a weedy field nearby, or? Yeah, uh, and, and also I have trouble. See, I have always put out the sunflower seeds, like on my fence and on the ground, and I bought some feeders, but for some reason the cardinals and the birds just don't want to come to them. I've got. Like some of the seed will get moldy from being in the fear so long, and they seem to ignore that, but they, they, they come get all the seed. Yeah. You need to clean those feeders out really, really well. If uh, okay. if the seeds are getting uh, compacted inside the feeder and they're moldy, or uh, that, yeah, the, the, they, the birds won't eat that. Yeah, once they get wet like that, mm-hmm. they're not going to eat it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when it's we're going to really have a really stormy night, I actually take my feeders down and put them on the carport somewhere where the possum can't get at them and other varmints. And, uh, so they don't just get saturated with water. Also, my feeders hang under awnings and whatnot as much as possible. Yeah, you, you really have to keep an eye out for uh, bird seed getting wet. Yeah. Okay. Well, I sure have to think about that because I never pay much attention to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. All right, Bill. Thanks for the call. Uh, just a quick. He mentioned uh, woodpeckers. Uh, and I, you know, I often hear one. They like to uh, p- pound on my downspouts to my drains, and I never had seen one the other day. I was out in my driveway, and I caught just the glimpse of him as he was flying off. And is is a red-headed woodpecker, do we have those here in Mississippi? We do. Okay. Did it flash bright white, black and white? I could, from what I could tell, I could see kind of red on his head, and it did look like he, he had black and white there. So uh, There are several that have a little bit of red around yeah, their head, okay. and then that red-headed is just his whole head. Is and, and both the male and the female. Yeah. You may have seen a red-bellied woodpecker, but it, the male has a lot of red on the head. Otherwise, he's sort of a brown color with red on the belly, and uh, he's zebra striped. He has black and white stripes in his wings, so... Uh, 
could have been a red-bellied woodpecker, real, okay. real pretty bird, or it could have been a red-headed woodpecker. We have both in Mississippi. The red-bellied well, is a little more common. Like I say, I've, I've heard him a lot because he, he likes to drum on that downspout. And like I said, the, the last a couple weeks ago, I finally – and he just caught a glimpse of him because I was looking around, and then I kind of turned a corner and saw him right as he was kind of flying off. So You were mentioning lovebirds. Uh our smallest woodpecker, the downy woodpecker, is now they're beginning to pair up. I've, I've seen uh, the male chasing the female around in my yard this week. So, uh, yeah. Love is in the air. Love is in the air for the woodpeckers. <laughs> uh, we'll stay on the phone lines. Next, we've got Roy on the line from Leland. You're on the air with us. Go ahead, Roy. Uh, good morning. Morning. I just, all the time I listen to, to the program, I'm very seldom, if ever, hear anybody mention the white-winged dove. From Texas. Okay, white winged dove. I have, I have a, I have a pair that show up every spring, and this year I counted. By the time all the little ones hatched out and grew up, I had ten of them in my feeder. That is very interesting. The white winged dove is was originally a western species. It was found right. in the southwest, Arizona, New Mexico, west Texas. But their range is expanding. They first began to show up on the coast, and now people like you are seeing them in yeah. various spots in Mississippi. Uh, so their numbers well, are increasing. I think we'll, uh, we'll probably see more and more of them as, as time goes by. Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to see them. First one showed up, and they just stayed in a pair here, and then now they've started to raise here. They come every year, uh-huh. and that female looks at that male and says, I told you we should have asked directions in Louisiana. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, they, they come, and, and talking about the redhead, I've got a redhead woodpecker that likes to uh, work on my air conditioner or heater up, uh, upstairs. At the top of my house, you can hear it every morning. Mm-hmm. Pecking on the, pe- he's pecking on the metal. Right, he pecks on the metal. Yeah, woodpeckers are not songbirds. They can vocalize a bit, but their oh, vocalizations yeah. are guttural. They're not songs. And they- I have the red. I have the uh, red-breasted, uh, red belly. I'm sorry, yeah. show up every year too. So, uh, and the downy. But uh, the th- interesting thing with these uh, white wings that just show up the same time every year and i never hear anybody that dove hunts around here saying anything about uh shooting one and i don't know why because they're so plentiful in my yard i could i could kill the limit next spring right in my backyard i'm not sure it's on our game bird <laughs> list yet uh it probably yeah. is in texas but the yeah, fact they that, may be protected here. I yeah, the shoot, fact that you them. have they're numerous in your yard doesn't mean they're numerous. Everywhere. For instance, they're not over in East Mississippi yet, East Central oh, Mississippi. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're not. It's sort of like the ringneck uh, that showed up in the west part of Mississippi years ago, and now it's just everywhere. Yeah, I have yeah. That's five. that's Anyhow, the Eur- just, Eurasian collared dove. Pardon? That that one Eurasian, is the Eurasian collared dove. Right, that got out of a. Right, and he's here. They're here every year. I have one or two show up this time of year all the time to eat in my feeders. But I was more interested in the uh, white wing just to see if yeah they had been mentioned. They're showing up in the Delta. You live in Leland, right? Mm-hmm. That's, right. Uh, they they show up at various locations in the Delta and also uh, locations in the coastal counties. Those are the main right. places they've been seen. But they're seen at a few other spots as well. I think there have been a few records even in Jackson. Yeah, they they probably are, and they 
they're not hard to recognize. No. But anyhow, I just wanted to, I just wanted to touch base and see if uh, if y'all had heard anything about the the White Wings. All right, Roy. Thanks for calling in this morning. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your calls this morning about birds. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take a pet question. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Before the break, let's take one more call, and it's uh, Chip on the line from Ocean Springs. Good morning, Chip. Good morning, and I'm up in Olive Branch. I'm sorry, I'm not reading my screen right this morning. <laughs> I put you on the complete opposite end of the state. Sorry about that. That's Go ahead. No problem. I'm grateful for your show, and I have a cardinal who has been crashing into my doors for four months. Uh, I live in a wooded area. I have lots of windows, and even if I, I'm now I'm hanging a newspaper up on the window to keep him from smashing in. How, do they have a brain? How can he do that? <laughs> oh me? yes, they're very intelligent. That that bird is seeing its reflection in the window. The only way you can stop this from happening is to re- eliminate the re- reflection and apparently you've tried to do that with newspaper uh-huh are you are you putting the newspaper on the outside of the window or on the inside outside yeah you would have to do that or cardboard or something yeah. and eventually he'll give up but he's seeing his reflection and he thinks it's a revi- a rival a rival yes. bird I even had a female that did yeah. that for yeah. months at my house I right. really do think they have some kind of a a problem, though, because it's not typical <laughs> behavior for them to, right. or to do it so consistently yeah, and so obsessively. Are, and I had one, like if you put a face out of a magazine uh-huh. inside, mine would stop doing it. But then she started going and finding another window. Yeah. And yes, yes. Beating I, the I others. cover one yeah. and they go to the next one and then they go to the next one. And it's like every two minutes. If you Do you feed the birds? No. If, okay. When you feed the cardinals, you'll notice the males have a pecking order at the feeder. Oh, yeah. Some oh, males yeah. will drive other males off. The birds are seeing their own reflection, but they don't have anything in their brain to tell them it's their own reflection. <laughs> you actually <laughs> might um, put up a feeder, and if you bring in some other cardinals, they might um, get in his territory and run him off. You could try that. Well, I have um, I planted trees 40 years ago. Now they're mature. I have at least five or six cardinals in the yard at all times, and sometimes 20 robins marching, uh, turning mm-hmm. the leaves over. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's, what... it's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this a male or female that's bashing I, into your window? How do you tell? Well, the, the male is bright red, oh, and yeah, she bright, will be... Okay, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a male. I think that's more typical yeah. behavior for them. I never I figured so. why my female. She was just... We have, insane about it. We have a female that does that, and the male the male stays at the feeder, and she gets there and just and she'll go around the house. I there's some of the windows that are real high, and I haven't done anything. I don't think it hurts them, but it can be annoying to you if you're trying to get an extra few minutes of sleep. Right, right. or take a nap, or <laughs> right. keep your windows clean. They're right. wasting a lot of energy. The <laughs> right. only way you can eliminate that is to eliminate the reflection. Right. All right, uh, Chip. Thanks for the call. Uh, the good thing, though, is uh, come April, the Cardinals will be in St. Louis. Okay, a uh, little sports <laughs> joke there for you. We need to take another break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. Today we're visiting with Joe McGee and talking about birds. Also, Dr. Major is ready for a pet question or two. Give us a call to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 
672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. During the break, see if you can identify another bird by its call. We'll have the answer for you after the break, so listen closely and stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, and our guest today is Joe McGee. We're talking about all things birds in Mississippi. If you have a question about birds or a pet question for Dr. Major, you can join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, so, Joe, before the break, we heard another uh, a bird call, and I think you got this one correct. Which What did we hear this last time? That bird is a uh, American woodcock. There it is. It's, it's, it's said to say pant. It's panting. It's... It's really an interesting bird. Uh, it's one of the shorebirds. And by shorebird, I'm talking about sandpipers, but this is a, a shorebird that doesn't live at the shore. It lives in the woods, and it's largely nocturnal. They come out at night. They've been coming out in East Mississippi about 6 o'clock. I go out about a quarter to 6 and listen till about 6.30, and the, the males come out and make that sound, that panting sound, and they're trying to attract a female. They're on the ground when they do that, and every now and then they bolt from the ground and fly really high up into the sky. Uh, and it's hard, it's a little bit hard to see this because it's getting dark when this takes place. And then they drop down to the ground, and as they plummet back to the ground, hopefully near a female, the wind rushing through their wings creates a little, a little chirping, a real melodic chirping sound. Huh. Sounds like that. So it's the American woodcock. It, that's one that... A lot of people probably are not familiar with. You have to seek that one out. Well, that's interesting because I obviously I'm not a female bird, but the the little sound you made with the wings sounds a whole lot more pleasant than that. <laughs> when he's on the ground, he's turning around, rot- rotating, you know, t- uh, trying to impress the female. Or right, so it's a little strut. So it's like a truck backing up because that's also you know. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's said to say pent, P-E-E-N-T, penting. All right, uh, let's talk. Uh, we'll get to some calls here in just a minute, but we did want to mention again, you had mentioned uh, that this weekend is the Great Backyard Bird Count, and that if you wanted to, you could maybe hook up with one of the local groups. But also, this is something that a family might could do in their backyard well, on, that's, on In this fact, weekend. that's how you recommend that you do it in your own yeah, yard. That's yeah. the whole idea. You do it when you want to uh, and where you want to. You decide on, on, on doing it in your backyard. It's suggested that you count for at least 15 minutes. I try to count for an hour. I'm planning to count in the morning for an hour, say 7 to 8 or 8.30 maybe, and again late in the day, maybe 4 to 4.30 or maybe 4.30 to 5.30, something like that. And then uh, you submit your observations online. And if you go online, it's one of the most user-friendly websites I've ever seen. I find a lot of websites to be sort of... uh, Mean spirited. <laughs> they, they they like to play hide and seek. This one is really easy to use, and you go there and and you need to uh, register with mm-hmm. the website. You know, in other words, establish a, a username and a password, and then it's uh, f- clear sailing from there on. And it's really, a, I think it's it's the easiest kind of 
um, official research because it is it's citizen, it's, science, it's citizen science that you can do with with really fairly young kids get a bird book or get an online guide and just you know as they want to through the day let them put up your feeder I'd go ahead and hopefully you've already got a feeder but if you don't you can do it that day and just any place you see them in the yard you can be really loose about mm-hmm. it just anything you see you just keep account of it uh, you can download a, a form to write the birds names down and then you just t- keep a tally as the time period goes by and every time you count the birds that's a separate count Friends, I, if I count every, it's you know, Monday, uh, it's Friday through Monday. If I count two times on each of those days, I'll submit eight counts actually. Okay, and you know, Libby, as we were chatting uh, during the break, this is a great. It's one of these fun things that you're teaching your kids because you know, if you got a, a, a bird book, you you then are helping the child learn. You know, it's not this. It's we've seen the blue head, whatever, mm-hmm. and so it, uh, it it's a learning experience, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and as you say, and to me, I think the important thing and that might uh, get families interested is. You're part of this, as Joe mentioned, this worldwide thing that's going on and, you know, really helping create something that is, is useful information. So uh, that's going on this weekend. So something uh, you might want to try with your family. Again, getting outside is always good as well. Uh, we got some calls to get to. Let's uh, invite our friend Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us. Good morning. I have a rather plain question to ask. I'm trying to find some wormer for my cat, and I'm having problems locating it. Uh, so the little bitty, they hate to say it's like a pellet of rice or something like that. <laughs> okay. Um, Those... I had a uh, repairman working for me uh, a couple of months back, and he let three of the cats out. It took me almost a week to get them back <laughs> in. So I don't know how it happened, but they've got them now. What you're seeing are tapeworm segments, and uh, those segments actually have some nervous tissue. They can move, kind of expand and contract. The actual worm, oh uh, the head the head is up in the intestinal tract, and it's pinpoint or a little bit bigger maybe than that, and it produces these segments, and literally they can be dozens if not more. Uh one of the problems with this uh, wormer for those are fairly expensive. The uh, key wormer that I would suggest is called Dronset, D-R-O-N-C-I-T, and it is very effective against tapeworms. Normally we recommend using one dose and then repeating in two to three weeks. And control of the fleas are important because fleas serve as a host for the tapeworm by that intermediate host. They consume... The larva consumes the flea eggs, if you will. I mean, uh-huh. the, the tapeworm eggs. And it goes through a life circle cycle in the flea, and then a cat will ingest the flea, or a dog will do the same thing when they're chewing on themselves, and that's how the life cycle keeps over and over again. Where where can I locate that? You know, probably uh, your veterinarian. Uh, you can get it online, I'm sure, but you may have to have a script written. Uh, to get that, so, but it's yeah, they will, uh, it's one very effective. Individual wanted to sell me just the medicine. Yes, a uh, hundred and ten dollars for the eight cats. I went, whoa! It is expensive, and that's that's one of the problems with it. Uh, it's uh, also, I tend, and this is my personal opinion, I tend to treat the animals as I see it. Uh, uh-huh. You can literally do stool samples under the microscope, check, and not see the parasite. 
usually you see it when they're passed and you see the tapeworm segments. Yeah. So it, it might be cost effective to treat them for fleas, be sure they don't have fleas, and then treat the ones that you see that have the tapeworm segment. Okay. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, Kathleen, thanks for the phone call. Uh, This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you'd like to join in our conversation this morning with a question about birds or a pet question or maybe a brush with wildlife you've recently experienced, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Next on the line, it's uh, Brenda from Poplarville. Good morning, Brenda. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day to you all. Thank you. I moved here uh, to Poplarville from New Orleans with the storm. We evacuated up here. I had never seen indigo buntings in New Orleans. And the first two or three years after the storm, I literally had dozens of them in my yard. I have no, not seen any in the last several years. And I'm wondering what's happened to all of them. Okay. Aren't they beautiful, wonderful birds? But they're, uh, they like an open habitat. Have things grown up around your house or your area? It is more grown up, yes. Yeah. yeah they like something mm-hmm. like a hay field with a brushy fence row. Mm-hmm. They'll nest in the fence row. And, and by the way, they are one of our neotropical migrants. They are not in Mississippi right now. They have not arrived. They won't arrive until, I guess the first one to show up in late March, maybe early April on the coast. But they are not anywhere in uh, north, not the 48 states anyway, uh, right now. So that's another reason you might not be seeing them. Yeah. Well, and that's when I used to see them was very early spring. Yeah, yes. right, uh-huh, mm-hmm. when they're well, migrating through. An open field, and they might stop it at a less than ideal kind of an open field if you've got a feeder out for them and that kind of thing, or, they'll, they'll or there's some the, food. And yeah, right after Katrina, I'm sure that it was an odd situation. They were looking for food wherever they could get it. Yeah, and habitat oh, okay. wherever they could get it. Yeah. They like the white prozo millet. If you put some of that out in the spring, uh, that will really okay. bring them in. Try that during migration. Yes. All right. Will they eat from the millet sprays, or should it be just the straight seeds? They will, both. Uh, okay. But I use... Uh, on the have it on the ground on the edge of my driveway. Okay. They 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 will feed on the ground. They will, but they'll come to a hanging feeder as well. They're not really particular. They're a very successful bird. They're one of the most numerous birds that we have uh, in North America during the summertime. And if you Wonderful. see them again, start looking for the females. They're a little harder to detect. She's not nearly as blue, but she has kind of a brown little bird shaped exactly like him. But she has a little bit of a blue wash to her. I, I think oh. they're they're equally pretty, but, but it, the, the it's female not, is, is not immediately identifiable though, yeah. as like the males okay. are. During the breeding season, you're likely to see them together though. So, and the yeah. males sing all summer long. They sing well into August, even late August. I've heard them singing. All right, and what is an example of their bird call? They have a Should chip note that, that sounds like an electric mm-hmm. spark, but. I, Let's see if we can get Java to bring up the indigo. It's a long, warbling song. It's really a, a pretty song. Uh, can you find indigo bunting back there? Indigo bunting. Indigo indigo bunting. 
All right, uh, let's do this. Brenda, thanks for the call. If you would uh, keep listening, and we'll have that. Um, we've got our one to identify, and then Java, I think, can find out that for us, and we'll play it next break. We do need to take our final break this hour. We're visiting today with our friend Joe McGee, today talking about the birds that you'll see in Mississippi this time of year. Also, Dr. Major's been here ready to take a couple of your pet questions. So you can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone call is, our phone number is one 7464 I think we've got one more bird call this uh, break, and then we'll try to find the indigo bunting as well. We'll be back with more after this, so stay tuned. to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Our guest today in studio is Joe McGee. He's uh, helping us uh, talk about the birds that we're hearing and seeing in Mississippi this time of year. Still time to work in a phone call if you'd like to join our conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We've been having some fun with some bird calls. Uh, so, Java, do you have the one that we played during the break queued up? We can remind folks of that one. <laughs> That's an interesting call there. And, uh, Joe, what's that bird? That's the purple martin. That's the first neotropical migrant to come back to the state, uh, or to you know, North America, in the spring, and they they have already some have already arrived. There's, I checked last night online; they've been seen as far north as uh, I believe Webster County. Okay. A few, mm-hmm. but you know the main uh, population has not yet arrived. But that's one of the breeders. They uh, they all winter. Apparently, every one winters in Brazil. So it's quite an impressive flight they they make. And also, before the break, we talked to Brenda in Poplarville about the indigo bunting, and, and Java found that call for us as well. That's it. The, the notes. The notes come in pairs. They tend to be in pairs, if you'll notice. And bright and clear and mm-hmm. loud. Yeah. And uh, it's like the spring peepers of, of, the, of the bird world. In the summertime, during the day, you will hear indigo bunnings if you're out in the country. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, the last month or so has been really kind of strange, I think, with the weather because we'll have you know, several days where it's warm, almost like spring temperatures in the low 70s. Then we have another little cold snap. Uh, then it's warm again. Then it's wet. And so d- when we have fluctuation, kind of crazy weather patterns like that, does it somehow mess with the birds, maybe normal patterns of when we might be seeing them in Mississippi? It, it can. Uh, on mild days, for instance, yesterday was fairly mild, mm-hmm. over my way anyway. And there were very few birds at my feeders. I've been, they've been emptying the feeders on the cold days. 
and there were very few yesterday, and I made sure the feeders were full this morning. I had taken some of them down last night because I've had a possum visiting at night, and <laughs> it's getting to be a bit much, but uh, there were very few, but it wasn't completely daylight when I left the house, so I don't know what's going on there right now, but mild days are easier on the birds, and they can get out and uh, seek out natural foods. However, this time of year, the natural foods are at their low ebb. They've either been eaten already or have washed away in the, you know, in the rain and the storms or have decomposed. So feeding the birds this time of year can be pretty important. Uh, I don't know how the birds, you know, the birds get buffeted around. We had 80 and 82 degrees last week, two mm-hmm. days in a row. Uh, and then we had a day where it was about 39 for a high. Uh, it must put a stress on them, I'm thinking, especially if you get a snow cover. It can be real rough on something like Purple Martins. Now, they've already arrived. We could still have snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have known it to snow, have 80 degrees one day and have snow the next. Uh, and that's real rough on them because they feed on, almost entirely on flying insects, and it's hard to find flying insects uh, when it's snow, <laughs> there's snow on the ground. In fact, sometimes Purple Martins are found that have starved to death because of inability to find food so it can be it's it's rough on the birds out there but it's all you know some make it the survival of the fittest some Mm -hmm. will make it some won't you know once they make that decision to to fly here they can't go back right you know if they've committed themselves you messed up and there's no mcdonald's they they leave without a toothbrush or anything they have no teeth of course but there's no uh mcdonald's to stop in get food Uh, many of those birds fly across the gulf and uh, I, I admire them for what they can do. Um, got a couple calls, but before we do that, we've been talking about the backyard bird count uh, being this weekend. What uh, what are some uh, birds that folks might typically see maybe here in central Mississippi uh, this time of year? Okay, the cardinals, which we've already mentioned, for sure they'll see those. Carolina chickadees come to feeders, tufted titmice, the white-throated sparrows. If you uh, live in an area that has a you know kind of a weedy field or brushy hedgerow, something like that, uh Here's one you might overlook, but they're present year-round, the eastern tohi, and its song is Drink Your Tea. Tohi, the end part is tohi. Cardinals, of course. Oh, yeah, our state bird, the northern mockingbird. What what am I leaving out now? Uh, Oh, the eastern phoebes, they're beginning to sing, and they'll be nesting. By this time next month, they will have their nests built. Yellow-rumped warblers. Yellow-rumped warblers. Uh, It's probably the easiest warbler to see in uh, Mississippi, because they they don't hang out in the dent, dense woods. They're out in the open. They'll come to suet. Pine warblers, yeah. brown-headed nuthatches. How could I forget that? I have those and coming now, to feeders. Hawks are, are fun to see when they're when the trees are not completely filled out. It's, yeah, I saw a red-tailed hawk this morning on the way over here. Every now and then I notice there's no birds at my feeders uh, when there have been just a few minutes before. Mm-hmm. And if I go explore, I usually see a red-shouldered hawk around or... Uh, there's a Cooper's hawk that's been hanging around, and Cooper's hawks are known to feed on. That's their I, main diet. Is bird, other birds. Yeah. I All like right. to see them. Uh, let's end with a phone call. Crystal's on the line from Richmond. Good morning, Crystal. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, discovered a pair of Chuck Will's will- widows in my yard last year, and they actually nested there. And I'm wondering how predominant they are here in the state. Fairly common, not as common or abundant as they once were, but that's a neat thing to, for you to have seen. You're down there in Perry County, is that right? Well, I am today, but I live in Green County. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, still, we're still way down south. That's a neat bird. That's one of our night jars, another nocturnal bird. Uh, they sleep in the daytime and uh, are active at night. Uh, nest on the ground. You saw the nest on the ground? 
Yes, actually, my husband was working in the yard, and the bird came out and did the broken wings, and, uh-huh, and uh-huh. he figured that yeah. he was too close to her nest, so yeah, he stayed yeah. away from that area for a while. That is really neat. That's a really neat observation. You don't know how lucky you are to have Chuck Wills widows in your yard. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm really impressed. <laughs> well, I thought we were listening to Whippoorwills, and I was going to interrupt the pair that were flirting with each other with a recording on my phone, and it was absolutely not the same call. Yeah. So I researched it and found yeah. the Chucks. So the I'm Chucks breed all over that. the state. The Whippoorwills mainly in the northern part of the state. Uh, the further north you go, the more likely you are to find Whippoorwills actually nesting. Tishomingo County is the best place to go for, for nesting Whippoorwills. All right, uh, Crystal, thanks for your call. Uh, we're about out of time. Just a, a time to remind you about the Great Backyard Bird Count this weekend. Uh, if you and your family would like to participate, just uh, search online for the website for the Great Backyard Bird Count. You can create a um, an account there. Uh, go out in the backyard throughout the weekend, 15 minutes at a time. Count the birds. Uh, try to figure out what you've seen. Uh, and then hit Submit Observations, and you can be part of this Citizen Science Project. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Joe McGee, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. That's followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And we'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts that's heard only on MPB Think Radio.